Welcome to Getting Over It with Caddy James, a safe place for abuse survivors and anyone ready to reclaim their power. In this podcast, we'll explore practical tools and techniques for releasing stored trauma from the physical and the energy body, plus have real-life conversations with other survivors to hear how they are thriving now, even after trauma. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. How do you know you're dating a narcissist? How do you know? Are there any signs that you can watch for or certain behaviors, maybe like red flags? Yeah, girl, there is. And I want to share my story with you today so that you can see how some of these warning signs show up and how often it can be easy to ignore or downplay the truth and the reality of what's happening. It's so easy to ignore those red flags, those warning signs. So there are warning signs, there are red flags. And let's chat about how we can recognize them, acknowledge them, and what we need to do after that. How do we move forward after that? Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. So lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long. Till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. So this is your chance to lean on me, sister. Because I've been there. And I know how hard it is. And I'm rooting for you and I want to share with you that it's possible to get through it and it's possible to start over and I believe in you. So let's get into today's show. Growing up, I had been sheltered. I was homeschooled and my family was involved in a very large patriarchal religion. So my upbringing did not set me up for success. I was very naive. I didn't really know that much about manipulation, and I definitely didn't know what a narcissist was. I had never heard that word before, and that's what I've found for most folks is we often do not discover narcissists, what that is, until we've experienced it ourselves. Things have changed, though. Uh, This was a long time ago. I feel that nowadays, most of us know what a narcissist is, even if we only have like a small uh, idea of what it looks like. We've all experienced a narcissist. If you live here in America, and even if you don't live here, you've witnessed, uh, we've had a narcissistic president for the last four years. So we all have experience in dealing with at least one narcissist. We often don't know what a narcissist is until we've been abused, we've been hurt by one, we've had the trauma. And I realized that that's just how some things are. Sometimes we won't, we can't know what we don't know. 
but my hope in talking about this topic is it will shine a light on the signs, the red flags, the behaviors, so that it doesn't take you as long. If you are dating a narcissist, I hope that you realize it sooner than I did. If you are dating a narcissist and you do notice these signs and these red flags, I hope that you feel empowered to to do more research and to explore your options and to not wait, not continue to tell yourself that it's not happening or that it's not that bad or that you're making it up or that maybe you're going crazy and it's you. I don't want you to do that. I had been sheltered. I was not set up for success. I was naive. I had just moved out of state away from my home for the first time. I was 18 years old and I moved in with two girlfriends from childhood. We had grown up together. We decided to become roommates out of state. I was excited to spread my wings and move out of my hometown. I was definitely ready to get out of the house. So when I got settled in my new condo with my friends, I started working three jobs. Two of those jobs were for money so that I had enough money for rent, for food. And one of those jobs was because I wanted a free snowboarding pass. (laughs) So I was working seven days a week. I didn't have any days off. I really only stopped working to sleep at night. Obviously, I needed to eat. But my schedule went something like this. I started working at the local credit union up there from about 7.30, 7.45 a.m., till usually around 1 or 2 p.m. I would go home, change my clothes, and head straight to Chili's where I was a hostess. (laughs) I worked at Chili's until closing time. And then on the weekends, so that was my Monday through Friday. On the weekends is when I worked at Snowbird at the ski resort. So I would wake up at 4 a.m., And I had to drive in the cold, cold weather up to the base of the mountain and park my car. And then I had to take a bus up the mountain to the ski resort where I would work breakfast, brunch. I was burning the candle at both ends. I really was overworking myself. Whatever self-worth that I was naturally born with, It had dwindled to almost nothing by this point. So by the time I was 18, 19, I really didn't have a lot of self-worth. And I didn't know this. And I've always considered myself more confident than, you know, maybe my sisters or people I knew. But I didn't realize that my self-worth was so low. I was distracting myself with work, with friends. I was just turned 19 But I started drinking at friends' house parties to, you know, fit in, to have fun, to de-stress, whatever it was. On the outside, I guess it might have looked like I was having fun. At this point in my life, I was still a virgin and everybody at work knew about it. That's what happens when you work in a restaurant. (laughs) Everybody knows your business. I was, like I said, I was naive. One of the other hostesses and I started chatting one day. We got on the topic and um, then after that, everybody knew. And I was a little embarrassed about it. In hindsight, 
I realize that's silly, but I, I just felt like the weird, sheltered, homeschooled girl, church girl, even though I was living in the motherland of my religion, I just felt a little bit like I wanted to fit in and I wasn't. One day after burning myself out, I went to work at the restaurant at Chili's. When I arrived to work, it was a super busy lunch shift. We were known to have really busy lunch shifts. There wasn't very many restaurants in this little pocket of town and it was crammed. The folks started coming in, standing at the host stand, lining up. I started to take names, get people seated. The crowd kept building and the two other hostesses that were supposed to come to work with me that day still hadn't shown up. But it just kept getting out of control. Things kept getting out of control. The servers, their sections were filled. And so I was trying to seat people but not rush them. And things just started to get chaotic. Because I was so burnt out, because I was so tired and not taking care of myself, because I had been burning the candle at both ends of the stick, when I felt this sense of overwhelm during my shift, I felt like everything was falling apart around me and I couldn't, I couldn't do what I needed to do. It was like, it just wasn't getting better. One of the managers finally showed up He walked to the host stand. He told me, hey, go to the bathroom and take a break. It's okay. Uh, He grabbed another server to come help. I went to the bathroom and I cried. I was so overwhelmed. I was so tired. I felt so alone. I was struggling. I was trying to do everything by myself and I was doing way too much. And it caught up to me today at work. Caught up to me. I cried in the bathroom for just a couple of minutes. I didn't give myself very much time because I wanted to hurry back out there, get back to work. So I cried, I wiped my face, went back to the hostess stand. And by now there was only several other groups waiting to be seated. Most people had been seated. I got the rest of the people to their tables. It finally calmed down. Everybody was sitting down. I finally had a minute to breathe. I took some deep breaths. I was regrouping, giving myself a little pep talk. Like, it's not going to be that bad. Today's going to be okay. You got through that. It's going to be okay. It was really obvious that I was crying prior. It was really obvious that I had been crying. Suddenly, this stranger approached me at the hostess stand. He had been sitting at a booth with another another gentleman. And he walked over to me and he started a conversation. I was very caught off guard because I thought this was going to be work related. (laughs) But he said, hey, are you okay? I saw you crying when I came in here. And you looked upset. You're too pretty to cry. You're too pretty to be this upset. He fed me this fake charm. I realized that he was trying to flirt with me. Now... At this point, I was used to guys coming in and flirting with the hostesses and giving us their numbers, and we never thought anything of it. But for some reason, when he was talking to me and he acted like he cared and he wanted to know if I was okay, it was different. And he seemed nice. And he was really, really cute. I wasn't used to cute guys giving me attention 
because growing up, I was the homeschool girl, the church girl. I was a little shy. I was probably weirder than I realized. And any attention from boys usually ended up getting directed at my little sister. So to have somebody who was cute asking if I was okay, I was like, okay. He asked me for my phone number. I have never given anyone my phone number before, but I wrote my phone number on a little scrap of paper with a crayon from the Chili's host stand. And that was that. The next day or so, he reached out to me. He had to go to Arizona for work. That started a conversation because I was from Arizona. So we got to chatting and we decided that when he came back, we were going to go on a date. So what I want to say about this before I move on with my story, this is a very typical situation with narcissists, the predator, and their victim. He walked into the restaurant. He saw me crying. He saw that I was obviously feeling a little hopeless, a little overwhelmed. He saw that I was at a low point. And this is usually when the narcissist, the predator, will make their move. They are looking for victims. They are not looking for empowered women or men. They are looking for people who, like I was that day, I was having a bad day, and he thought he could swoop in with his charm, and it worked. So if you are wondering, how do I know if I'm dating a narcissist? The first thing to look at is how you met. How did you meet? Did it feel like he was there or she to help you or like they almost saved the day? Did it feel kind of like a Prince Charming situation? So when you look at how you met and you look at where you were, emotionally, mentally, and your self-worth, that's the first clue. The predator wants easy prey. I was easy prey. Because of how I was raised, because I didn't have a lot of self-worth, because I was working myself so hard, I was desperate. I was desperate for love. I was desperate for warmth. And when we're talking about noticing the signs, it's, it's really hard to see them right away. You might not see the manipulation right away. You might not see the lack of empathy or the emotional coldness right away. So the first stage is usually love bombing. They will love bomb you, meaning showering you with compliments, with praise, with time, with gifts, with affection. The dates that he took me on, they were fun. We went to comedy clubs and dinners. I had never been to comedy clubs before. We went to the Utah Jazz basketball games and sat in the VIP suite that his company owned. He was he was love bombing me and I didn't know that. I just thought, hey, this person is really good at dating. This person 
cares. He's giving me his time. He's giving me his attention. In this first stage, they're really fascinated with you as well. Some people call it the unicorn stage because you are like their unicorn, this magical unicorn that they have found that they have to have. They want you. Although they look for people who are maybe lacking the self-confidence or the self-worth, they also put you on this pedestal where they are seeing you the way they want to see you, the version of you that is a reflection of them that they like. So initially, the love bombing, the chasing the unicorn, they're really pursuing you. If you've ever looked into how to date, what is a good way to date? What is healthy dating? You might think this is it because they're taking you on fun dates. They're getting you presents. They're buying you flowers, taking you to comedy clubs, perhaps even going on vacations together. They move quick, so yes, there could be an early vacation. (laughs) So when they are in this phase, and it's hard to know that it's not authentic, it's hard to recognize that it's just a facade, you might notice that they're moving really quick. They might start having conversations with you that you want to have. You want to have these conversations with a partner, but part of you feels like it's a little soon, right? Is this normal? Do guys normally move this quick? Although we had only been dating a couple of weeks, he was already talking about our future and the possible future we could have together because they want to paint the fantasy for you and get you invested. So if you are dating somebody and you're wondering if they are a narcissist, Start to notice when they first started to talk to you about things like going on a vacation together or having kids and getting married. These are all healthy, normal things to talk about when you're dating because you want to know if you and this person have the same desires, goals, intentions. But when a narcissist does it, you'll notice very subtle that alarm, that red flag. So when he started to say things like he would take my hand, we'd be laying on the couch or watching a movie in his bed, he would hold my hand and he would look at my hands and he would just get quiet and thoughtful and he'd say something like, do you ever wonder if these will be the last hands that you ever hold? Do you ever think about marriage? When he asked me that, it was such a mix of emotion. I loved the idea of a possible future, but at the same time, it was so sudden that it was alarming. It felt too good to be true, but I kind of wanted it to be true, so I just ignored it. And I thought, "Mm, I like that he's thinking that these might be the last hands that he'll ever hold. And if you're looking for the first signs and you want to catch on quick, one of the signs that I noticed quickly was the extra sensitivity and taking things personal. I consider myself a sensitive soul, but 
I realize there's a difference between being sensitive and being hypersensitive. And narcissists' worst fear is that we will see them for who they really are, that we will see past the facade, we will see beyond the mask. They are ultra sensitive. They take things personal. They are quick to get upset and you'll be startled because you'll feel like you're suddenly having an argument or a disagreement and you're not sure why. It can be little things. For many folks, teasing and playing is a, a, a flirtatious way. It's something that happens in the beginning of relationships. But I noticed that if I matched his teasing or playfulness, that he didn't receive it the way he expected me to receive his teasing and playfulness. Just to be clear, I've never been much of a teaser. I don't like to tease people or say things that are snarky. I'm not sarcastic. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So to be feeling like I was hurting his feelings, it was alarming to me because I was intentional with what I said and did my best to avoid that. Hypersensitivity. You'll notice you're not allowed to tease or play or joke, and you're also not allowed to question. I'll throw that in there. They don't want to be questioned. But however, they will do this to you and expect you to have no problem with the teasing or the questioning. Along with the ultra sensitivity, one of the first signs that you'll notice when dealing with a narcissist is subtle verbal or emotional abuse. But you probably will not have the words mental abuse, verbal abuse, even in your vocabulary yet. So you won't realize, I am being emotionally abused. I am being mentally abused. You'll just feel like, am I really too sensitive like he said I was? Did I misinterpret him like he said I did? Did I take that wrong like he said I did? You're never allowed to be upset or to tell them that that hurt your feelings. You're not allowed to get your feelings hurt. You're not allowed to get upset. But they will get upset. They will get their feelings hurt. So when they say something to you that's mentally or verbally abusive and it's subtle, you'll notice the compliments that don't feel like compliments. You'll notice the sting with certain things that they say. But it is so subtle that if you even try to mention it to them or point it out, they will quickly dismiss, tell you you're wrong, and as I said, most likely become defensive and take this personal. And you might find yourself in an unexpected heated conversation or argument, all because you just wanted to point out to them that that compliment didn't really feel like a compliment. And in fact, it kind of hurt your feelings. 
these are the things that I feel in hindsight I noticed the earliest on. They were easy to dismiss and ignore. But if you are asking yourself, am I dating a narcissist? You are already farther along in your journey than I was. And it will be easy for you to look back and reflect on this relationship and notice how did we meet? Was I vulnerable? Was I desperate? Did he save the day? Did he shower me with love, attention, time, gifts right in the beginning? Dating, did it feel like I was special and that he wanted to be with me? The conversations were easy and fun. It felt right, like easy connection. Did it feel like we moved fast? Did we end up claiming to be boyfriend and girlfriend, but he didn't even officially ask me? He just assumed? Did we not even have a conversation about this? Am I looking back and realizing that Wow, so much has happened in such a short time. He started talking about marriage right away. He started talking about having kids right away. He started talking about our life together right away. He did get sensitive when I would try to tell him how I feel. He doesn't like it when I communicate with him my feelings. He doesn't like being told that he upset me or that he was wrong. We do get in heated arguments which feels like are over nothing. We are fighting about stupid stuff and I hate fighting. I just wanted to talk, but now this feels like it's out of control. And if now you're looking at your relationship and it's not as fun or happy or exciting as it felt in the beginning, it seems like the person you're with now is totally different than the person that you met. Where did that fun, playful partner go? Because now he's sensitive and angry and I'm not allowed to have feelings and I'm walking on eggshells. What happened to the partner that I thought he was? If you are reflecting, if you are asking, if you are willing to look at your relationship and see what there is to see and not just what you want to see. If you are willing to look at how you really feel and not how you're pretending to feel or how you think you could feel. If you find yourself holding on to a fantasy and if only they would just do this one thing or do that one thing, then your relationship would be okay. And things would be okay. If you feel like you have bent backwards and into a pretzel and you don't know how else you can possibly change your shape or yourself to make them happy because no matter what they're not happy and things aren't good anymore and you don't know what else to do and you feel like you're the only one trying to do anything 
or the only one willing to change, the only one willing to listen, the only one willing to evolve and grow together, these are all your signs. These are all red flag warning signs. And I understand how easy it is to not look at them. And I understand how hard it is to talk to somebody else, like a trusted friend, sister, family member about it, because you're not even really sure how to communicate what's been going on. You can't really even wrap your mind around it and you're confused. You are not imagining it. You are not overreacting. You do not have unrealistic desires, needs, expectations. You do not have unfair boundaries. You deserve a level of privacy. You deserve to remain an individual, although you are in a partnership. It's time. It's time to be courageous. It's time to do some journaling. Find that friend. Find that person that you can trust. Be willing to see what there is to see and know that if this is where you are, if this is the relationship you are in, there is hope. You always have a choice. It might seem daunting, but you can change this situation, your situation. I know how hard it is. We feel like we've invested so much time and energy. And I understand not wanting to give up on that. Not wanting to walk away and start over. You've worked so hard. But when you're dealing with a narcissist, there is no way that you can win. There's no way that you can have healthy communication. It is a one-sided black hole of a relationship. The first step is awareness. And once you have that awareness, you don't have to make a sudden change. Leaving is not always the first step. Awareness is the first step. Being honest with yourself. It might not be safe to be honest with them yet. But each step will be revealed to you. Trust that there is a way out of this. There is a way out. And if you don't know what the way out is, ask, say a prayer, talk to goddess, universe, your guardian angels, your deceased grandpa, whoever it is, ask, ask them to help you. Ask them to intervene and send you a sign. Ask them to show you the next step. Is the first step finding a new job and supporting yourself is the first step getting a new bank account that's just in your name ask and you will see each step revealed in time 
when I decided that I needed to leave, that was the first step. Being honest with myself, seeing what there was to see and not the fantasy that I was holding onto so tightly. And every step of the way, step by step, I knew what I had to do. And here I am today. I am safe. I am free. I have started a new life filled with love, hope, honest communication. It is possible to get to the other side. Believe that you can. In no way am I saying that it's easy or simple because it is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life, probably up until this point. But you are so much stronger than you realize. You have it in you. And you are not doing this alone. Your ancestors are behind you, wanting you to break this cycle. Your guides, your guardians, goddess, the universe is supporting you. Your highest good is what you deserve and it is always possible for you. You are here to live your highest truth. It is possible for you. I am here holding space for you. I remember how scary it is and I believe in you and you just have to take the first step. Be sure to stay tuned in your email inbox for some special guided meditations that I'm creating. Those will be coming your way. So make sure you've opted in to get my weekly email. You can contact me on Instagram, chattycatty, or my website. Send me an email. Let me know how you are, how this resonated with you, where you are on your journey. I love to hear from you. And until next time... Satnam.